We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, uh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. Another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I am your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And Chris, I don't even know what the hell we just saw. I'm still stunned. I will tell you. I'll have to pull it up. I can pull it up. But uh, best running performance I've seen by the Bills since... 2016 against the 49ers here in uh, Buffalo. Ooh, that's a good pull. Yeah. We had a... I mean, James Cook's the guy. We got a running back. Finally. James Cook. Guys, what what a game, what a day, what a weekend, what a world we currently live in, sitting here on a Monday... Sipping old tub neat. Fourteen ninety nine at Colonial. Go get some, guys. It's bottled and bond. It's hundred proof. How do you not like that? Now, guys, we're all here. What the Monday before Christmas? Yeah. Do you have any Christmas traditions, Chris? Um, not. That I can think of off the top of my head, I am leaving for Kansas in two days on Wednesday, and I will have Christmas with my brother and sister-in-law and my parents. Obviously, Jessica and Benton will be there, too. I haven't had Christmas with my immediate family since 2019, pre-pandemic. And then before that, it was uh, 2010. 
was the last. I've had Christmas with my family twice in the last 13 years. Are you excited about it? <clears throat> yeah. It'll be fun. The wife and I have a, a tradition. Every year, we pick one day. Just where you don't hit her? <laughs> First of all, I, Larissa would fight me, right? If I were to raise a hand to her, she would fight me. And also, you don't hit women, right? Because realistically, we is the... And I know, I know right now every feminist out there is going to get mad at me when I say this, but as a man, I, I firmly believe that I always have the ability to just walk away. Like there is no, there's no set of circumstances or altercation with a female that I can't just extricate myself. So it should never come to that. And guys go, well, yeah, but you don't understand. No, I don't understand. But what I do understand is that you can just open a door and exit stage left, right? Okay. Then you do that. Because that's how that works. We have a tradition where one day every December, usually mid-month, not always this close to Christmas, we take a day, she and I kind of figure out what we need to do, what we have left for Christmas shopping to do, and we make a day of it. We take the day off, we spend the whole day together, we go out, we hit various stores. I hate shopping. I detest people. I don't like crowds. I don't like the act of shopping. So to me, I I detest the act, except for this one day a year where I get to go with my wife. We browse stuff for the kids. We browse stuff for family members. We talk about ideas. We laugh. We have a good time. And then we go out and we have lunch. We have a couple cocktails. It's a nice day. I did. I got to have that today. And so I am in a, I'm in a rare mood. And it's made better by the fact that the Buffalo Bills won the way that they won here in Week 15. This is your recap. Buffalo Bills 31, the Cowboys 10. Here's your stats of the game. Josh Allen, 7 of 15. 94 yards and one touchdown. The fewest yards of Allen's career in a victory. Chris, if I had told you that Josh didn't have to throw the football for us to win decisively, you would have thought I was, I was huffing paint, right? Correct. Okay. Dak Prescott, 21 to 34, 134. Okay. 34 attempts, 134 yards. You guys do the quick myth on that. Math on that. Ain't good. No touchdowns, one pick, three sacks, and a 57.7 passer rating. Bills wide receivers, only one in Stephon Diggs, finished in the top 50 for cushion allowed this week. Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard had 11 carries for 52 yards with 11 coming on a single carry. Three targets in the passing game for five yards. C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb, the guy who was supposed to take the top off the Bills defense, was going to be a problem. What is it? One rush for one yard or three yards and a touchdown. Late in the game when nothing mattered. Ten targets, seven receptions, 53 yards, no tutties. Dallas wide receivers as a whole, Chris, when you think about this. Now, ten targets to CeeDee Lamb. Eight to Jake Ferguson, 44 yards. 
Brandon Cooks had six. No other wide receiver had more than one. Do you know how many first downs they all converted? No. Less than six. (laughs) Fewer than six. Which tells you the job that we did downfield working against these guys. Running back James Cook, 25 carries, 179 yards, one touchdown, three targets, two receptions, 42 yards and a touchdown with a 24-yard reception thrown in. The Bills won the turnover margin. The Bills offensive line, no sacks allowed, only nine individual pressures. Spencer Brown, the game's highest-rated run defender and one of the highest-rated run defender or pass protectors of the entire week. Guys, I want to start with the tailgate. Let's start there, right? And what was a great day, Chris? We had a pretty epic... Outside of the rain. Outside of the weather, this tailgate was pretty sweet, right? Yeah. You know, the Syracuse guys, Detro, and I said it right this time. You hear me? Jason Detro, Mark the Chef, their buddy, who I guess his name is John. I just keep referring to him as Tall Guy. <laughs> I think I said that to his face, too. It's like, I don't know, you're Tall Guy. The guy, the guy that's on the list for a Cybertruck? Yeah. Well, as soon as you said that, you're like, oh, he's on the list for a Cybertruck. I was like, oh, I don't need to know his name. <laughs> he just, I don't need to know your name. No, John was cool. And it... The the people, Ben Kerr, his crew, the guys who came in, you know, Chris, we met Mark from Long Island. Yep. Who walked over to introduce himself for the I thought it was Chris from Long Island. Wait, was that Chris from Long Island? Yeah. Was I thinking of Mark, who was irritating me about Long Island when I brought up the story? Also possible. Maybe that's where I'm getting my wires crossed. Wait. Chris from from Long Long Island. Island. I'll tell you what. Brings his, he's telling me stories about his kids coming to games, how he's happy to be here now. He went to Oswego. I went to Oswego. I told him about how I failed out miserably. <laughs> we had a good laugh about that. He shared some of his experiences of bringing his children to Bill's games. And just the fact, like, it, it did something for me. Right here. Like, I'm starting to second guess this idea of keeping my kids out of this until they're teenagers because the team's good now and I want my kids to get to experience that. I don't want to wait till the next drought to bring my children and try to convince them this is a good usage of our time. You, sir, might have saved me. He came over, says, Hey, I've been tailgating over here for years. Figured I'd come over and introduce myself. It was a good morning. We had a good time. You know, we were setting up the tailgate, everything got moving. The Yulberg clan was in town. Here's what I love. Hans. Yeah. Hans is a good kid. Here's what I don't like. At some point during the game, Hans referred to you as Mr. Drew. Oh, he referred to me as Mr. Drew. Uh, uh, yeah. I was telling... <laughs> I was, Dan, I was raising him right down I there. was telling Dan Kimball, who sits next to us, he's also a season ticket holder, I'm like, I just heard this kid called Drew, Mr. Drew. And that's, I can't get behind. Like Cartman, you will respect my authority. Yeah, I can't get behind kids, like, calling you in, like. Like a title of, like. like, an authoritarian title. Yeah, that's right. I can't get behind that. (laughs) Can't get, can't get behind that. You better get used to it, because here's what I love. Hans came, got to have dinner with him on Friday night. 
obviously Hulberg. Seeing Hulberg was cool, but meeting Hans for the first time was probably cooler. Because Justin's old hat now, right? Yeah. Like, we've, we all know Hulberg. You're big... You you fly planes, okay, cool. And you got a mustache, and you got and you, and you have a Teddy Roosevelt mustache. Yeah. We get it. It's a hell of a duster. We get it. <laughs> now meeting Hans was cool. What I look forward to is when his little brother Torsten gets to come, because I think Torsten might be a bigger fan of our podcast, and I think that he sounds a little bit like I don't know. He he sounds like a <laughs> he sounds like a rough go. But a good hang, if that makes any sense. This kid, the stories that Justin's told, I already look forward to meeting this kid. And I love the fact that for such a young man, he appreciates this fine craft that we've put together here at the Rockwell Report. <laughs> I think that this pilgrimage, this thing, like between Chris from Long Island and between, like, I think you're wrong. Now that I'm saying it, that feels wrong. No, he said something to me about, like, when I met him, he said Chris, and he also used the terms easy to remember, because we have the same name. See, now what's funny is as you're saying it, I can see it. He did introduce himself to me like that, and then Mark was making fun of Long Island, because I was like, oh, a guy from Long Island came over and introduced himself, and he immediately started making fun of Long Island as if Mark, who chugs Miller High Life, and I know of a fridge full of it, because... Mark brings a 30-pack of Miller High Life and drinks eight of them and then blacks out. Now I have them all. Thanks, Mark. I'm bringing them to the next tailgate. Don't bring any more crap beer. I have all of your crap beer. I have your Strohs. I have your High Life. I have all of it. And I'm bringing it all to the final tailgate, and you're drinking it all. Alcohol poisoning be damned. Allegedly final tailgate. Depends if we get the division. (laughs) This is true. But so... I can understand it. I apologize for my mistake. What I do know, Torsten, is that I can't wait for you to come up here and meet the rest of us. Get your first taste of chicken wings. See the falls with your own two eyes. There's a lot up here for you. Your brother can tell you about it, but it's not real until you see it. How old is he? Old enough. Old enough to party. That's all I know. Here's what I'm saying. I love the Yulebergs. I love the fact that they've gone like you. Ju- it's the, what started off as just a guy writing a letter. And stuff in a box of diapers. Yeah, where is that letter? No, not up here. It's in a frame over there on the thing. Yeah. Yeah. So now they're friends, and now their children are meeting us, and it's like this is this is the thing we cultivate here at the Rock Pile Report, a real tangible thing of you can come find me. You can come meet us. What you're going to find out is we're not as bad as you think we are, although yeah. we might be. We I mean, we be. do vote Republican here. We, we might be. <laughs> for yourself I usually vote for the independent candidate because I need that poor son of a bitch to get to 5% I gotta have a Ross Perot on the debate stage or I'm gonna lose my mind either way what a day the tailgate was a blast we fed a ton of people we had a lot of like the food the grub was awesome Iman with his tortilla soup he has that nailed down I did tacos El Pastor for the first time trying it in a Weber kettle, it actually turned out pretty well. Chris, did you get to partake? No. <sighs> I didn't get any of your uh, pork stuff. You you missed out. I did have the tortilla. I had a first dibs at a tortilla soup. Delicious. Yeah. Tell me that wasn't great. Yuleberg, what he made. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, the steaks. Steak with uh, a cream cheese, shallot, and un- and chive mixture on uh, French bread. Guys, if you're not coming and hanging out at our tailgate, you're you're. There's nobody who eats better than us. I know that. Yeah, that's a fact. It was a great day that turned and like I I feel bad if there's one regret I have it's that I slow I said I was going to do it in a group chat I said I was going to slow play my walk into the stadium because this team doesn't deserve me rushing to get there I'm going to enjoy this tailgate I'm going to sop it up and then I'll get there when I get there so I drug I drug my feet a little bit and unfortunately Yulberg was walking in with me so he missed get the flyover his son well we got to see the helicopters. But we weren't in our seats for it, and we did miss the anthem, and it was just a... If that's my that's my regret, my only regret of the day. I wish we could have been there for that, for not not even for me, not even for Yulberg, but for his son, just to see that and have that moment in his first Bills game. I think that could have been cool. Now, in terms of the game, Chris, I want to run back through some of the statements that were made. Right? By you? No, just in general. Like, this isn't just me. National media talking heads. The announcers pregame. Because I, you know, after we got home and I unpacked the truck and got everything sorted, I rewatched the game because it's like when you're in the stands, there's things you miss. I can't talk intelligently about it if I don't rewatch the game. Pregame, the announcers. Uh, what was it? Uh, Olsen? Yeah, Olsen and Burkhart. Talking about how Diggs is going to have to win his man to man matchups all game long. Everything starts with how they handle Michael Parsons. Neither one of those things are correct. Neither one of them mattered. Michael Parsons was a complete and utter non-factor in this football game. Let me ask you how the way it got out of hand as quickly as it did, how shocked were you on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, not shocked at all because I knew that the Cowboys had a, a difficult time playing on the road. And not only that, you get the weather involved and they can't work around that. So I knew that we were we had the advantage going into kickoff. Micah Parsons finished the game with no tackles. <laughs> Two assists, one missed tackle, graded as one of the team's worst run defenders in the entire unit. The big bad Michael Parsons that I was sitting here terrified was going to wreck our game plan. Now nah, we just ran at him. And we did it well. We dominated these guys. And you saw it, right? And then you think about what Stefan Diggs gave us in this game. Chris, next to nothing. Next to nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if I'm going to walk it down, let me find the stat line here in the box. Uh, Stephon Diggs, five targets, four catches, 48 yards. That's it. One drop that should have maybe been ruled a fumble. But hey, I'm not going to argue with NFL officiating because I've learned that doesn't do any good. So realistically, all the things that we thought were going to have to happen in this game and all the things that people much smarter who get paid to talk about this stuff thought needed to happen went up in smoke. And it all started because the Buffalo Bills came out with a plan. They said, look, we're not going to expose Josh Allen to this pass rush. And don't get me wrong, Michael Parsons finished with seven pressures. 
Demarcus Lawrence would have had a, uh, maybe a sack. There was a questionable flag thrown with that roughing the passer. He yeah. LeBron James it. He sold it. <clears throat> but I've been screwed so many times, I'm jaded. I don't care. I don't care that my quarterback flopped on a shove from a defensive lineman and got us a first down. Outside of those moments, their pass rush never threatened our passing attack. Not at all. And instead, what we did was kind of what the theme of the night was. We established that we were just the more physical team on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And you were going to feel it. And they did it for four quarters. We bullied them. Bullied them in the trenches. Tackles for loss... Tackles for loss after tackle for loss. Our defensive line routinely, like when you're going back and rewatching the game, watching our defensive line collapse the interior of their line so quickly that there's no one getting up on those linebackers to block. So Greg Rousseau is holding a tackle, and their running back is either trying to punt it, trying to come up the middle, but everything's stymied in the gut. So it's a one yard, a two yard gain. Or they're trying to bend it outside, but there's nobody getting on Bernard. There's nobody getting on the, uh, you know, there's nobody getting on these guys. And what you end up with is Teron Johnson and Terrell Bernard just flying around the field with no assist, just making unassisted tackles inside the box. And Bernard, this credit, he missed a couple tackles, but it didn't matter because there was always someone, there was always someone else coming. Our safeties did a great job of crashing on run plays and just coming downhill in waves to try to make sure that there was no running play that was going to make it any farther than, you know, three, four yards. It just wasn't going to happen. And it's why when you look at the Dallas rushing success, like I'm on pro football, I'm pro football focus right now. And if I look at rushing and direction and I just want to see the team totals, they only had two runs of 10 or more yards. They had one rushing touchdown, which wasn't even by a running back. It was by a wide receiver at the end of the game. And in terms of first downs, they had seven. But Tony Pollard only accounted for three of those. That's what I like to see. Dak Prescott actually ran for most of his team's first downs. More than their starting running back. We abused the trenches. And that's the identity of a team that can win in the postseason, isn't it? Yeah. A team that comes into a game and says, hey, I'm going to beat you up physically at the line over and over and over again. Because as they do it on offense, you're defensive. Like, they get tired. And you watched it throughout the course of the game and you saw it in the game flow. Like when you think about what was going on in the game and how the game played out, look at this. Buffalo Bills opening drive, 12 plays, almost seven minutes of clock, 75 yards and a touchdown. Then we had a quick three and out, quick three and out. But we punted and they gained no yards on the ensuing possession. So then we go 11 plays, four minutes and 44 seconds, 86 yards and a touchdown. And we give the ball back to them. They kick a field goal after eating five minutes a clock, but it took them 11 plays to get in field goal range. 
we immediately respond with another time-sucking 11-play, 5-minute, 37-second, 76-yard touchdown drive. And we ground them down to nothing. And they punted. And then in the second half, their defense just didn't have anything. So they come out in the second half, just have no teeth. You know, they, they made plays here and there. They dinked, they dunked, they tried things, and it just stopped. It just didn't work, and it didn't work, and it didn't work. And now you're talking 21 to 3, and then it becomes 24 to 3 in the third, and you're thinking to yourself, this is a rout. This is over. Start warming up. As as Reed Ferguson kindly pointed out to Chiefs fans last week, go start your cars. (laughs) Warm up the cars because this thing's over. It's time for everybody to go home. And then they just iced it with another James Cook touchdown. Chris, that was as we were leaving the stadium, right? Yeah. The thing that pops up when you go back and rewatch the game is just the physicality shown by our offensive line. Now, everybody's seen the Deion Dawkins tweet where he blocks a man 20 yards downfield to the one-yard line. What I don't think gets highlighted enough is the job that Spencer Brown did. You ask how Michael Parsons wasn't allowed to be a factor in the game. They ran at Michael Parsons a lot. You know, if he's lined up off Deion Dawkins, there was a play where they pull Spencer Brown across the formation with Cook behind him. And Michael Parsons is a strong dude, a fast dude. He's a freak athlete for a linebacker, but he's still a linebacker. And Spencer Brown is still one of the most athletic and yet biggest offensive linemen in football. When he just stiff-armed Michael Parsons, he just went to the ground. And James Cook is, and then got to the second level and starts taking on a linebacker. We were pulling and using the athleticism of the guards, the tackles, the centers. We dominated the boxes they were throwing at us. And here's the crazy thing. Remember last year when we talked about the idea of like Devin Singletary was good in this offense. Yeah. He was, pro- or at least he was productive. But everyone looked at it and said, you're in the basement of the NFL for plays run against guys with heavy, you know, heavy boxes, eight or more defenders in the box. Do you know where now he's top 10, but you know where in the top 10 James Cook ranked this week against runs against heavy boxes? I'm going to say one. He's sixth. But. Gus Edwards, okay. Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Tyler Goodson, Rashad White. Those are the guys ahead of him. How many of them are starting running backs? None of them. James Cook is the only starting running back in football that had a defense that said, fine, fuck you, we're going to flood the box. And here's the problem of what Dan Quinn decided to do, and it's a... It takes me back to the Super Bowl they lost to the Patriots. It's a Dan Quinn problem. Dan Quinn did put out heavy boxes with a lot of defenders in the box. But when you look at the final snap counts, you weren't putting big body linebackers in the box. What you decided to do was give one, two, three. You had three safeties playing 70 or more percent of your snaps in this game. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want you to absorb that for a minute. You went into a game against the Buffalo Bills who have an underrated and offense, like athletically gifted offensive line. You decided that you were going to play heavy boxes. You were just going to do it using small people. And you're surprised that the Buffalo Bills use their athleticism to pull guard, to pull tackle, to pull center, and just smash these guys in the open space. Joe Brady... I, I was hesitant, right? Chris, we always are as Bills fans. Yeah. Because when Joe Brady starts having success, you think to yourself, okay, he's making hay, he's making hay, he's making hay. When does this dry up? When does he get figured out? When does this? When does the other shoe fall? I'd like to know if he was... This might have happened this week for the game. Joe Brady might have called... Uh, facility maintenance or building maintenance at one Bills drive and had them change the locks to the offensive meeting rooms without McDermott's knowledge so he couldn't enter the meeting rooms to meddle in the offense like he's been known to do this season. I think that's possible that happened this week. It's possible, but I think it's more maybe. But what I do know is that schematically, Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, tied one hand behind his back and didn't realize he was doing it. When you look at the snap counts given away to Cowboys personnel, all you have is one linebacker, Damone Clark. Okay, He played 93% of the stats, snaps. You go down the list, Micah Parsons is more of a pass rusher than a linebacker in space or an inside linebacker, so I don't count him. You look at the next, like, the next highest linebacker in terms of snap percentage is a guy named, well, it's Rashawn Evans who played 16% of the snaps. What you thought you could get away with was taking a free safety Marquise Bell and playing him at linebacker for most of the game. You thought that would help you because you assumed you would need the coverage speed to keep up with Dalton Kincaid. And it worked. You cover Dalton Kincaid. Also, what you couldn't do on a snap-for-snap basis is stop Deion Dawkins from getting to the second level. Stop McDermott from Connor McDermott from getting to the second level. Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse in his post game. 
was talking about the idea that they were really came into this game with a plan of how to neutralize Micah Parsons. And they said, if we don't have to throw, it makes our lives as linemen that much easier. Because if we never have to throw the football, we never have to worry about how do we stop this guy from ruining our game. And they executed it to perfection because Dan Quinn's defensive scheme played right into it. They said, look, if you want to put some small bodies on the field, go ahead, do that. We'll bully you. And they did it for four straight quarters. It's probably the most impressive performance I've seen by a Bills offensive line in a while. I mean, Chris, when's the last time you saw that? Been a minute. Can't, can't remember. It was back to the Thurman days where you're like, oh, the running back just dominated a game in every single phase. You need a receiver? Eh, Cook will do it. Oh, you need a guy who can run between the tackles and somehow come out with yards because he's his agility. I was like, he's not LaShawn McCoy, but there was multiple times I looked at Yulberg's son, Hans, in the stands, and I was like, he's not LaShawn McCoy, but look at that jump cut he made. He's special. <laughs> his yards before contact numbers. Third player this year to average more than four yards before contact on 20 or more rushes in two years. <laughs> and when they say yards before contact, that doesn't mean you got hit. It means someone put a hand on you. Someone got close enough to touch you. Didn't mean you stopped. Didn't mean they stopped you. Didn't even mean you had to slow down. It just means you got touched. That's rarefied air, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and then on defense, they had a sound plan, and it was just based on win the trenches. It was pressure. It was, hey, go in there and dominate these things. Do not let their offense get off the ground. Now, we sat here and talked about the idea last week that, oh, you better watch out because Dak Prescott, that offensive line, they keep him clean. When he has time, he can orchestrate an offense. What do you think? Just taking a a stab in the dark with no notes in front of you, Chris, the most individual pressures by a player on the Bills roster in this game. What do you think the number was? Uh, I don't know. Nine? Greg Rousseau was tied for the team lead with Ed Oliver, just like he was last week. Each of them had f- 15 pass rush sets, right? When you talk about pressures... Tied at four, a sack, a hit, two hurries. Shaq Lawson came in with two quarterback hits. Leonard Floyd threw in a quarterback hit and two total pressures. Also got a quarterback hurry and a sack. Greg Rousseau finishes with a sack. Tyrell Dodson chips in with a sack. Jordan Phillips chips in with a sack. Pressures... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight different players all had at least one pressure. So it wasn't like there was one player that you could scheme against to be like, hey, okay, just stop Rousseau. Well, it's not just Rousseau. All right, well, then fine. We'll slide protection towards Rousseau and Oliver when they're on the same side of the line. That's not going to save you from Floyd over there. <laughs> Floyd's, Floyd's here, too. Oh, wait, they rotated in Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson had a big hit. We... We're all over Dak Prescott in this game. 
He had no time to operate. There was a lot of really poor decisions. Those 24 completions and 34 yards. Or 134 yards. 134 divided by 24. What's the quick math on that? I have no idea. I don't have a calculator in front of me. Come on, drunky. 134 divided by 24. Five yards per throw. <clears throat> they had nothing. They had no ability. And when you look at his passer chart for the week, it's embarrassing. Everything. The thing that stands out the most is the idea that they avoided the middle of the field completely. Now, most of that is because he's being forced left and right. When you look at Dak Prescott, in fact, here, if you're watching us on YouTube, we have a copy of it right here on the screen. And the thing I want you to see is that glaring hole in the middle of the defense for any targets. It's because Dak Prescott never really was comf- ever comfortable in a pocket. We moved him left. We moved him right. So all of his throws were either short checkdowns or they were throws to the boundary under 10 yards. He only had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight attempts of more than 10 yards downfield. He only completed one of them. He threw a pick on one of them late in the game. That's embarrassing for an offense that tried to bill itself as the best. How about a quarterback who's trying to pass himself off as an MVP candidate? No, not anymore. Nah. Nah. And I did like Josh Allen's thing about how he's like, I feel like I'm the guy who showed up and did nothing on the project but still got an A. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? We all know a guy like that. I'm sure you work with guys, right? Mm-hmm. The unit succeeds. You're like, that guy's dead weight, but we're all right. Yeah. That was Josh Allen in this game. Just kind of hanging around, not making mistakes. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That, that rushing touchdown, again, was a piece of genius by Josh Allen. But that's what makes our team special. And it's what makes teams like Dallas frustrated because they wish they had that level of greatness and they, they see the gap between what they could have and what they do have. So even on their best days, when you're scoring 40 points against bad teams, you don't have Josh Allen. So on a day when neither quarterback did anything particularly special, Cowboys fans would still rather have Josh Allen than Dak Prescott in this one, wouldn't they? Yeah. My wife was sitting there with me at lunch today in the bar we went to, Potter's Field. Amazing food. Here, good wings. Good wings, a great Reuben. A great Reuben. They I'm watching I'm watching ESPN and they were replaying the the uh Josh Allen Dak Prescott handshake after the game. And she was like, it's funny to me. And I go, what's funny? She goes, it's funny to me. He like gave him the most dismissive handshake I've seen him. She goes, usually when I see him, I see him with Patrick Mahomes. And they go out there, they hug, they make small talk. He's out there with Joe Burrow going, Joe, I love you. And they're t- telling each other how much they love each other. She goes, it's a bro fest. It's two dudes going, I love you, man. Oh, no, no, I love you, bro. I love you. I Sorry, sorry I ended this way for you, man, but I love you and I, I want the best for you. And blah, 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 blah. And then she goes, and then I watch him with Dak Prescott and he just literally muttered well, just dapped him up and just walked away. 
And so I went back and watched it again, and I go, no, she's not wrong. What do you think that is, Chris? Because I have a theory. I wouldn't. You're asking the wrong guy. I believe that Josh Allen respects his peers. And I think Josh Allen knows after having now just dominated two Dak Prescott teams, he doesn't respect Dak Prescott, nor would I. The same way you don't respect the guy who just hangs around on the squad, still gets passing billing even though he's not doing anything. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't respect that guy. And so he doesn't have that same relationship with him. There's there's none of that camaraderie of like, hey man, hey, let's let's talk about this. Let's let's have a friendship beyond this thing. I think he looks at him as a fraud, as I think most people should, because you see what Dak Prescott is, and then you look at his postseason record, and then you look at his like this this statistic right here that I have on my phone is one of the most damning things. They go. The Dolphins and Cowboys, it's going to be the first time that two teams play in 20 years where they're the combined record, right? They have over 20 wins combined between them. And at the same time, 20 or more wins, and yet they only have one win over a team with a record of better than 500. The Cowboys have one. They're one and three. This was sent to me by Super Mexican, by the way, just so he doesn't get mad and thinks I'm not giving citations and giving credit where it's due. Cowboys, 1-3 against teams above 500. The Dolphins are 0-3. <laughs> it's the first time in NFL history between these teams with those records. So it's almost like the Fraud Bowl. Can we call it that? Yes. Fraud Bowl. And I can't wait to play Miami again. I just have to hope that when we do it means something. I hope we didn't just give away the playbook and help the Dolphins get one over on these guys because we kind of need Dallas to come through for us, don't we? Yeah, we do. Make Week 18 mean something. Dallas or Baltimore. Now, we have to give out awards here on Zero of the Week. For this week's hero, can we say that it's James Cook and Joe Brady? Can we give away a double award? Because if not, I'm just giving it. To, I'm just giving it to James Cook. Don't take it personally, all right? Franchise star players are a lot like Highlanders. There can only be one. If there can only be one. Then you know what? I am going to give it to James Cook. And what I thought was funny was last night as I'm unpacking the truck after you left, and I'm just listening to the post game interviews, and Jay, they finally like they did James. You know, sometimes they do individual interviews, and then they do like a tandem one. Yeah. Mitch Morse went out there with James Cook. And they're doing the post game. And James Cook sounded to me a lot like Ricky Bobby when he wins his first race in Talladega Nights. They go, James, what what did you think about what what was it like to score, you know, do that many points and do all this? And he's like, I I just run the football, man. I just try to be fast in all things I do. (laughs) I just. I, tr- I I try to do the job. They, they, they call the plays. I try to try to run the play. <laughs> I just try to be fast. I just try to be fast. Try to be physical. <laughs> try to, and it was the same thing over and over again. And it was like, oh no, the boy just wants to go fast. 
and he doesn't have a whole he almost doesn't know what to say because he's never been put on a podium like this you go back to georgia when did they ever interview chris when did they ever interview college players after games individually like that they don't do that not often not often it's usually the head coach he's the only one who talks so then here's james cook who's never really you know he would kind of riding shotgun with other running backs over the last year or two. He's finally the guy. He finally gets a game to be the guy. And then you put him out there and stick a microphone in front of his face and ask him a bunch of complicated questions. He's like, I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. Was, uh, I was just going fast and I, I ran and the yards and the touchdown and people were cheering. And then the, the guy pushes his hands down then he goes, oh, yeah, so on that touchdown throw, like, I just I, I just tried to make myself available, and I got loose. And then I, I just saw the end zone, man, and I just I couldn't stop running. <laughs> it just keeps creeping up. I love that for him. There's, like, a Forrest Gump quality to this. Like, I've never had a microphone shoved in my face, so I don't know what to say. I know how to run fast. I know how to, I know how to pick a hole. I know how to scat. I know how to beat a guy in a hole. I know how to get some wiggle into my approach to a trajectory as I'm running. I just can't speak on it. <laughs> it was so funny, Chris, after years of having guys like LaShawn McCoy. Yeah. After growing up seeing guys like, uh, what's his face, the running back, uh, was it Priest Holmes? Who had yeah. the characters he would do at the podium? Running backs always had a personality. Thurman Thomas is an outgoing guy. All these guys who are good, who have like a spark to them, and then there's James Cook, who's just like I, I, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go fast. I'm trying to go fast. <laughs> I love this guy, and I think that this was probably more his coming out party than anything else, because it wasn't a flash in the pan. They tried to stop him. They just went about it the wrong way. And if, I guess if you don't have, so now a note to every team that doesn't have a dominant nose tackle and also doesn't have great linebacker play, go ahead and try to replicate what the Cowboys did. You'll fail. And it gives the Bills confidence to know that they now have another thing in their arsenal that they can turn to. When, hey, we don't want to expose our quarterback to hits. We don't want to try to orchestrate a downfield passing game against this opportunistic defense. Fuck Deron Bland. Fuck Bland and his six interceptions or eight interceptions and five for a touchdown. I'll see him in hell. Why? Because I'm never going to throw at him. <laughs> We're just going to avoid the conversation altogether. We will shove it down your throat with every running back we have. Now teams are going to have to respect that as we come here down the stretch and maybe into the playoffs. If there's a loser for the night, it's me. It's me. You folks fell on your face. You get an F minus in my book. Now, our friend Mark, Mark drinks a bit, and he signed up for a, guess it, Chris, is this not the dumbest thing you've ever heard of? Yeah. Not even, you didn't buy the app. You bought a subscription to an app. That alone seems dumb, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. He bought a subscription after a handful of beers to a meme-generating app. But he was in rare form on Sunday. 
with some real gems. If I'm if I'm looking at it here in our Google Drive correctly, Chris, he 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 beat up on me pretty good, didn't he? He did. I looked at him. So so like we should reference this <clears throat> to the people listening right now. I have them on my computer to be put in for the YouTube video. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shocking, right? Yeah. Shocking. So we're sitting here, and the memes just start pouring. So this is how I know Mark's had a bit to drink. The memes start pouring in, but they're all really funny. Like, there's, like, like for instance, let me just d- d- pick one here. It's a parking lot, and there's all the cars lined up, and it looks like what's open. It looks like an open spot, and it says, Drew, looking for that Bill's loss. And then you come up to it, and there's a Miata in there. It just says, Josh Goddamn Allen. <laughs> what else? Uh, oh, a picture of me next to a picture of Jerry Sullivan. And it's, it's the office meme of corporate called. They want you to find the difference between these two pictures. They're the same picture. <laughs> Chris, what's your favorite out of the bunch, if you had to pick one? Well, I, mean, I have them. It's weird. I have them. I like the one. I have them on the computer, so I'm gonna. I can pull. I like this. Look at him. Monday morning, Drew, and it's the meme of the guy like talking to himself with a pointed finger in the mirror that says, "Our analysis was right," and it's the bills that are wrong. Probably this one. Oh, where it's Shawn Michaels and uh, Steve Austin. Yeah. And it's Shawn Michaels. He goes confidently betting based on Drew's analysis of a game. Stone Cold Steve Austin giving the middle finger. It's Josh fucking Allen. (laughs) They're not all going to be winners, boys. And I'm not the only one who was wrong. I want to point out that at the top of the broadcast, the analysts made the same mistakes I did. I overthought this thing. I didn't know. He gets drunk and mad that I was so much of a downer. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. I went from saying, hey, like maybe winging a prayer, the Bills might be able to win this. Chris, it was the most dominating win of our entire season, wasn't it? Yeah. One of our, it's, it's like the first time all season we used a, a run game. Pretty neat. So, whose analysis, like, I'm the horse's ass in this, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> Although Ryan Laso goes down with me, and Mark, and Mark had a meme for him, too. Guys, if you're watching on YouTube, it's on the screen right now. It's it's a real good one. When Mark gets rolling, he's actually pretty funny. But the best one was just, and he puts it in there after every one of these Bills wins. It's the two astronauts looking at the Earth, and the one guy goes, wait a minute, the Bills are a good team? And the guy with the pistols like, always were. <laughs> they always were. The Buffalo Bills are a good football team. Maybe one of the most dominant in the AFC right now, based on the way they're playing, the way they've shown, the last three football contests they've played. I can only hope it's not too little too late. I hope that we haven't pissed away our opportunity to get to see that in the postseason against our AFC counterparts. I hope, I want to believe that we'll make it through this stretch and somehow eke our way into the playoffs and just make as much chaos as we possibly can. But for today, I'll sit here and accept and just enjoy another dominant win that sent that sourpuss Jerry Jones packing again. Did he even come? 
I don't know. Can they, I mean, what kind of bubble wrap do they have to put a skeleton like that in in order to ship it here? <laughs> what do they have to I will, package him in? I will tell you, though, if it was... I don't know if he came to the game yesterday, but if I was Terry Pagula and I found out Jerry Jones was coming, I'd put him in the same suite they put to Keo Spike. <laughs> That's what I would do. With the obstructed view? Yeah. <laughs> I love you. This is the best, guys. This is why we do it. It's the pettiness. It's just the pettiness. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really happy that the Bills are an eight-win football team and on the cusp of maybe qualifying for the playoffs. You want to throw in an amendment here? What's that? So to break down the fourth wall, our recap show has already been recorded. So when you're, you're hearing it, we did not know that Will Clapp had been put on IR. He got put on IR. You mean a, our preview show? Yeah, preview show. An hour ago. He well, got, I said he got carted off the field. I yeah. figured it was going to be ugly. So he got on. he's on IR officially. There's that. That's it. Guys, this has been a lot of fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this win marinate. This might go up there with enough. Like, it's something about Cowboys games. Like, it carries a little extra gravitas when you beat these dickheads. Like, I remember sitting in my old office in my old house with my son, there was a night where he was just fussy and he couldn't go to sleep. He was maybe one and change. And so I put him on my lap and he and I sat there. You know, he, was, he was probably about 14 months, 15 months. <clears throat> Since he wouldn't sleep, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> I put him on my lap and we sat in the office and I pulled up our Game Pass, or now it's NFL Plus. And we rewatched the Thanksgiving Josh Allen just taking over a Cowboys game in Dallas' stadium on Thanksgiving game. And I remember pointing out to my son, I go, do you see that guy? His name's Jerry Jones. We hate him. Do you see how angry he is? That makes Daddy happy. And the way that I, when I said that makes Daddy happy, he like clapped. I was like, you understand. You're in this. <laughs> We're in this together. Last night when I came home from the game, and I was talking to my kids, and I, I, my, my, I, the four o'clock game is actually really cool because when I leave, when I leave, I get to see them before they go to bed. And they asked me about the stadium, the, the football game, the whole nine. My oldest does anyway. He's three. And when I told him, I go, we beat them, and it made Jerry Jones sad. He got so excited, and he gave me the biggest high five. <laughs> Chris, he's going to be one of us. Yeah. Uh, we get to write another chapter as a father and son in this in this book of just giving the Cowboys misery. I love it. I can't wait for our next opportunity. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been your Rockpile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.